All right, man, it's good to see you all this morning, and it is great to have a Sunday morning where the sun is shining, and the wind isn't enough to blow you down, and it is just a beautiful morning, and, and we choose to come here to celebrate God, to celebrate what he's done, and, and so that's, that's part of what we're going to be doing today in, in our passage. Uh, again, uh, well, actually, I want to say thank you to all those who participated in the Saturate uh, USA. I have to let you know that this morning... When I was coming over, Matthew and the youth were preparing for the event they have today. And along with all the vehicles out here, there was a police car. And I thought, uh-oh, you know, what did Matthew do this time? But, but what, and they were actually here because we had, had placed some of the, the things that we distributed yesterday on the doors on places where it says no soliciting. How, how many of you know that that's a no-no? Uh, so there's a few. Okay, Roxy knows now, or you, did you know yesterday? You knew yesterday. Okay. Well, I did not know because I did some of that and put it on doors that said, no, I thought that means don't you come and knock on my door and try to sell me a vacuum cleaner. You know, I thought that's what soliciting was, right? Had something to do with selling. Well, I'm not knocking on the door or anything. Just, but, but anyway, so I I. I told the police officer, we are sorry, we, we didn't know that that's, that was a, an ordinance or something in the city. And, and so, thankfully, the people are not suing the seven churches that were a part of that. <laughs> that's, that's the worst part of it. But man, what a great day. We had seven churches connecting together. And I, I tell you what, we're, we're, wherever we gather together with these other churches, a uh, number of churches in the community, you just know God is, is pleased with that. We're not, we're not divided by buildings and spaces and things like that, but, but uh, I had the opportunity to work with Bob, who is from uh, Legacy Church, and I, I love Bob. Bob was, was a joy to work with. I got to hear his story, and that was just a, a big plus for me yesterday. And we're praying that as we take those out, that people have an opportunity to look at the material that was given. The gospel plan was delivered out. So we're praying that that has an effect upon some, some folks in our, in our community. Wow, what we were able to do in, I think, within three hours, uh, delivering those packets uh, throughout all Junction City. Uh, I, I tell you what, let's pray. Let's, let's just begin by praying before we dive into the scriptures this morning. Father in heaven, we praise you. Lord, I praise you for those who are here this morning. Prepare our hearts. Lord, when you have something to say, when you have something to share, how important is it? And so, Lord, we thank you that we have scripture and that we could open it up today and to see what is written, what is intended for us to hear, and what is intended for us to apply to our own lives. Father, we praise you for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. And that's why we're gathered here this morning to worship, to praise you, and, and to, uh, uh, Lord, even be challenged by you. So, Lord, as we open the word, strengthen us, guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The series we're in, if you haven't been with us, is called Taking Root. It is at the very beginnings of the church, the New Testament church. And, and here in the past couple of weeks, we've been walking through the second chapter of Acts. Which is, which is the day of Pentecost. On this day of Pentecost it is the exact day that, that uh, 
Jesus promised that there's coming, you know, to wait, there's coming power, the Holy Spirit. All this is taking place on this day of Pentecost. It, yeah, let, let me just do a little review of chapter 2 because today we're looking at the, the response or the results of everything that happened as God lined it out and as it happened on, on this day of Pentecost. You know, first of all, it begins with people gathering in the upper room where that Holy Spirit came. And he came with power. You know, it was the sound of the mighty wind. And it was tongues of fire that came and rested upon each one that were in that upper room. And they began to, to speak with, with uh, languages, uh, other languages of their own. Miraculous power. And they took to the street. They took to the streets. And as they were uh, walking through the streets, they were talking about the mighty works of God. And, and it, obviously they got together thousands of people. And, and they, were, they were in awe of the, them speaking, you know, these Galileans speaking in different languages. And, and uh, in that, uh, people were in awe of what was happening. And other people were saying, oh, these people are drunk. And, and so Peter began his message to address exactly what was taking place. And he said, oh, these people aren't drunk. He said, what's happening has been promised by God. Look it up, Joel chapter 2. And, and so he speaks that in, in this Acts passage. And, and, and what was happening was that he said that in these last days, the be, what I would call the beginnings of these last days, uh, that God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters, they're going to prophesy. They're going to do some miraculous things and, and, and wonderful, amazing things are going to take place. That's what he revealed in Joel and then last week, we talked about the focus of his message, which was upon Jesus. And then he began speaking about Jesus. He said, God attested to him or proved who Jesus is through miracles and wonders and signs. Everything pointed to Jesus being from God. And then he says, and you killed him. You killed him. And God raised him up. You killed him along with lawless men. You killed him and God raised him up. That was a big part of his, his message of what had taken place with Jesus. In that you raised him up, he fulfilled the promise to, as he promised to David. Say, hey, your throne is going to last for eternity. And he made the point, hey, we know David's dead. But a descendant of David, Jesus, is now seated at the right hand of God. He exalted Christ. It said through, through his death, his resurrection, then God exalted him at the right hand of God. And in verse 36, this is where we left off last week, that, that it, it said, well, matter of fact, I, I, I think it would be important even to read verse 36. It didn't have it down here, but verse 36 says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That was, that, was uh, that, that last part of his message that he gave to him. This, this Jesus, uh, God has made him both Lord and Christ and you crucified him. And, and so we're looking at those responses. Remember, here we are at the end of chapter, chapter 2 or towards the end of chapter 2. Here's the response of the Peter, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the sermon that Peter had preached. 
in verse 37, it says, Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. When they heard the part of, hey, you killed him, you killed the Lord and Savior, they were cut to the heart and, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Good response, right? Good response. What do we need to do? They're, they were cut to the heart. I mean, they, the piercing pain in their heart felt the guilt and the shame of being a part of, of that, even that nation that killed the Savior. They had been anticipating, they had been looking for all this time, and, and we killed him. And so the response naturally was, uh, what should we do? Let's read the rest. In verses 38 through 41, here's the results. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the, the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to that there were added that day about three thousand souls. Let's do the math. Chapter one, there was a hundred and twenty gathering, and I believe either even gathering on that day of Pentecost. At the end of the day, three thousand one hundred and twenty devoted people to Jesus Christ who found the cleansing found out that that cleansing blood of Jesus brought forgiveness and so what what a day what a day that had to be if, if we could review and see that would be one of those days that I would love to see repeated and and see what's happening it's been repeated over and over again the proclamation of his gospel though ever since that day that the declaration that Jesus uh, died, and it was all according to the purpose of God, but then he rose him from the dead. And, and, and therefore, it, it is absolutely true that he is both Lord and Christ. And, and so what, I, one of the themes I think or, or that we could, we could draw from this chapter 2 is this, or, or statement, is that God creates a people for, uh, for himself from, uh, through Jesus. God creates a people for himself through Jesus. We are the people of God. Those of us who have identified with Jesus, received him as our Savior, we could claim we are part of a people belonging to God. And it's only through Jesus that, that could be possible. That, we see that in the very beginnings here in Acts chapter 2. Now there's some gains that we receive. Those of us who, who have received Christ, there are some gains I want to talk about. Gains of becoming God's people. First of all, the first gain is this, is forgiveness. God has given us forgiveness. God graciously forgives. I want to go back, thinking about this. Peter uncovers their sinfulness. That's where they're cut to the heart. He uncovers their sinfulness like, like a cloak. He pulls it back, and he just says it straight. He said, said you killed him. The, the one that, as a nation, you've been anticipating this Messiah to come. You killed him. I, I, I want to tell you that we went out and shared gospel tracts, and, and we encourage you to share your faith, uh, share the gospel story with it. 
one of the key elements that needs to be shared when you're sharing the gospel with someone else is that, hey, you are a sinner. We have to uncover the fact that, hey, the truth is about all of us here that we all are sinners. We found Jesus, the redemption of our souls, the atonement, and everybody else needs to know that too. Hey, everyone is a sinner. Romans 3.23 makes it really clear. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, there's some good people in the world and they would say, hey, you know, I've, I've lived a pretty good life. And, but even with one sin, one lie, uh, it, it is a sin. And, and we cannot be connected to a holy God because of a sin. Uh, it's hard, to, difficult to find a person with only a sin. But anybody who claims that. You say, there is no one who is without sinfulness and has been separated. And guess what? Is deserve, deserving of God's punishment, being absolutely separated from him. Their response when their sin is uncovered is this, what shall we do? What shall, and, and hey, they are ready to hear. They are are ready to hear and and wanting to hear exactly what it is that we need to do to receive that forgiveness. And now Peter didn't repeat what Joel said. If you you have your Bibles open, verse 21, uh, he he says, listen, uh, all those who who call upon the name of the Lord are going to be saved. Why didn't he just repeat that? Hey, just call upon the name of the Lord and you're going to be saved. Well, I believe in every way he did and and what what he's telling them. He's revealed Jesus. And matter of fact, who is, who is the Lord they're calling upon? Remember, by the end of his message, he said, This man, uh, God has made him both Lord and Christ. God has made him both Lord and Christ. And it's evidenced through the miracles, wonders, and signs. And it's especially evidenced through his resurrection and now his, his uh, exaltation and seated at the right hand of God. You, those who call upon the name of, the, of Jesus are going to be saved. We turn to Jesus. So Paul then calls them to act upon that. He calls them to act. What does he call them to do? He calls them to repent. Repent. Do we know what repentance is? The people that heard this, we know they knew exactly what repentance was. John the Baptist, that was part of John the Baptist's message early on. Uh, as Jesus, before Jesus even stepped up and began preaching himself. And and John the Baptist, one of his messages was clear. It says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right there. It's near. And then Matthew 4, uh, 17, Jesus has the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is right there. It's it's at hand. And, And so that message or that word repentance was familiar to these people. Repentance, you know what repentance is? You know, we, we, we like to think, well, repentance is remorse. That's the cutting of the heart, cutting to the heart that, that the, the Jews were feeling right then who heard this message, were receiving this message. But it's not just about remorse. It's, it's actually showing, man, the error of my way and the direction I've been going. I've been, I've been pursuing the things of the world. I've been pursuing the things of my selfishness, what my heart wants and desires, and, and all the ugliness that's filled there. That, that repentance is turning away from that life and, and turning to what is right 
And that would be absolutely in the direction of Jesus. To pursue him and his life. Repentance is change. It's not just being sorry. It is about change. Uh, of turning from your way of evil into, into pursuing uh, righteousness. Peter also tells him that you need to be baptized. So it's repent and be baptized. And, and, and I think Paul defines baptism best. Well, let me, let me just say baptism here. We have a, a tank of water. Matter of fact, on that day, do you see a problem with 3,000, uh, uh, a number of 3,000 who were baptized in the same day around that temple court area? Where were they all baptized? 3, How long would that take? I, I would almost guarantee it wasn't just one person doing it. If there was a person who was baptizing, there was a number of them had to be involved in it. The disciples, the 120, a number of the people, 120, might have been involved in that. But, but there were pools around. Pool of Siloam was real close to the temple. Actually, three different pools uh, were around, uh, large areas where uh, they would be able to, to baptize people. And then there were these smaller little baptist, little cleansing pools around the temple where, where people would practice this cleansing rites. It was part of the Jewish tradition to do that. So they knew what baptism or immersion was, to completely immerse yourself. What Paul says concerning baptism in Romans 6 is this, that, that in baptism, you are buried with Jesus. In baptism, you are buried with Jesus. That, that's always been the symbolism I've looked at. It's, it, it's that idea that we die with Christ, or the, the person of sin dies with Christ and is buried in, in the waters of baptism. And then Paul also says that, that as Christ was raised, we too walk in newness of life. So that, that's a part of it. And all this action, the, the, the repentance and the baptism, is really an action or activity of our faith when we put our tr faith and trust in Jesus. Because it, it, if we're not placing our faith in Jesus, you get in the baptistry, you get dipped, you know what it is? You're just getting wet. That's all it is. It is placing your faith in what Jesus did. The, you know, the one who rose from the dead, who's seated at the right hand of God? It is what Jesus did on our behalf. That's why at the beginning I said, yeah, hey, it is his gracious forgiveness. Do we deserve the, the death of Jesus? Do we, do we deserve the, his forgiveness? I, I have to say always, I know myself, I know my sins. I absolutely do not deserve God's forgiveness. I, there's no way I could ever say that, oh, yeah, today I deserve, I've done some good things. Woohoo! I've done some good things. Okay, God should give me his forgiveness. And that's, no. There's no way that I deserve God's forgiveness. And yet he sent his son to die for me. That's the amazing, gracious part of this, that Jesus paid my debt. And only for this reason, because he loves us. You can let out a woohoo anywhere in there sometime because that's amazing. That's amazing of what God did for us through his son, Jesus. We have the opportunity to live a forgiven life. The second gain, the second point that I've got down here, the second gain is we receive uh, 
the, the gain we receive in becoming God's people is this, that God gifts them with the Holy Spirit. God gifts us with his Holy Spirit. As we have received Jesus, we have received his Holy Spirit. That's amazing. God's Holy Spirit is given to all who receive Jesus. That's the point in verse 39. Let me repeat it for you. It says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. He, hey, the, the scripture is referring to us, right? We're pretty far off from, from that day. Uh, but that promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Uh, this, this is true. If you've received Christ, God has called you. God has called you, and you've answered the call. You've received Jesus as your Savior. Oh, man, and that's something special, what he's done. You're a people who could worship in a wonderful way. What, what are our ex expectations when it comes to receiving Christ in this way? Repentance and baptism. What are our expectations as we receive the Holy Spirit? We go back to chapter 2. So, well, hey, should we expe expect the sound of a mighty wind? You know, rushing and, and what are we looking? I remember when I was baptized, man, I was, I was thinking something special is going to happen. And I didn't hear the wind. And, and, well, how about tongues of fire coming down and, and resting upon us? That was, that's what happened at the beginning of chapter 2, right? And, and no, that didn't happen either. And, and then that opportunity to go out and speak languages of different people, uh, that, that miraculous power. And, and I don't believe that's an expectation either. Well, the 3,000 people, after they were baptized, I, I, I think that Luke would record that. As after 3,000 people were baptized, they would go out speaking in tongues everywhere and, and miraculous things of tongues of fire coming down. And all of Jerusalem would be able to notice that. And I, I would think that Luke would record that. It's not recorded. It says that they were baptized. I want to just remind you that the coming of the Holy Spirit and all the miraculous things that happened in the beginning was a revelation of his power. He's here. And, and, and matter of fact, it went out into the streets, and it did. It drew thousands of people to hear Peter's message. Everything that happened that day pointed and directed to this opportunity for Peter to, to declare Jesus and who he is, to, to clearly declare this gospel message. That happened on that day. What do we expect? Well, we expect exactly what it says, the gift of the Holy Spirit. His indwelling in me, in you. Yeah. Do we think about it? Well, sometimes we don't think about what that means, the significance of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I believe is found in Genesis 1.26. Okay? Let me explain. Genesis 1.26 says this, Let us make man in our image. That's in our creation, right? That was stated uh, as God then created humanity. Uh, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And, and I've heard all kinds of messages. What does that mean? Does that mean, you know, that, that idea of our intelligence? Does that reflect God or, or our conscience, our creativity, or our ability to, to communicate? What, what is it exactly that, that has, has God's likeness upon us? Well, I think the best answer is, is the fact that, uh, and, and I heard this just recently, that we are created to be God's image bearers. We're, we're 
we're created to be God's image bearers. Michael Heiser uh, calls it we're his imagers. We're his image. We're God's imagers. We we have this wonderful privilege. The reason why we're created is so we could reflect and and uh, reveal God's image in, in in our lives. But what happened? Sinfulness, right? Sinfulness, brokenness, filth all over us. We were we we were unable to complete why God even created us, the very purpose that we were given. Uh, unable to complete that. But God pursued. Throughout Scripture, you can could, you could look in the Scriptures and see how God moved towards bringing us back to be his imagers, his image bearers. You know, he chose Abraham. He's going to create, Abraham, I'm going to create a great nation out of you. And, and out of that nation, it's going to come a bunch of image bearers, right? And, and the way you're going to do it is, hey, I want, you know, as, as you become my people, he creates this covenant saying, I will, I will be your God, you will be my people. Great words. I love that. I will be your God, you will be my people. And in that, he, he says, and, and, and you will do it by being obedient to all these laws. You'll be obedient to these laws. And they failed. They failed. Matter of fact, uh, towards the end, we know at the beginning of the, the New Testament what, what said that, that actually what happened is that sin only condemned us because now we have it written down to say, I know what my sin is. I know how to name it, and, and that's sin. So the, so, so the identification of sin just corrupted that nation. It, and, and the truth is, instead of pursuing God, they loved other gods. They pursued other gods. They pursued other things in life. Well, we come to this day of Pentecost. As I said before, that God, God intended to create a people for himself through Abraham. And, and, in, and it didn't work through the law. So now he's going to do it through Jesus, through his grace. He is creating a people for himself. And this time, not through the law, but what? Through his Holy Spirit. We become God's image bearers. And, and guess what? How do we do that? Because we bear his Holy Spirit within us. What does the Holy Spirit do with, within us? Well, we are absolutely changed. We're tra- I, you, do you see the transformation? We begin with that forgiveness he's given. We, we, he creates a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. And he works within us. He works within us. I mean, we're a people, we know the flesh, we live by the flesh, we live according to the world. That's in our sinfulness. And, and Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, he said, hey, do not walk any longer to those who receive. Don't walk any longer according to the things of this world. In repentance, we turned away from that. And guess what? We now walk according to his spirit. How, how do we identify that we have this Holy Spirit working within us? Well, Paul goes on and says, hey, there's fruit that is produced from this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit we're working in you, and it ought to be coming out of your life. That, that's that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How we doing? Right, we got a bunch of people here who are just, that, that fruit is just being produced in your life. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. And I know 
and, and this is out of my life. It just didn't boom happen all of a sudden. There's some contrary things that's happened in my life along the way. But what God has continued to work in me is, is more productivity and more fruit has been coming out of, out of my life. That's, that's a part of us growing into to having God's spirit dwell within us. And Lord, as we grow in that fruit and people see the changes taking place in our life, guess what we're doing? Then I believe we're bearing God's image. He, he enables us to fulfill what we were absolutely created for is to bear his image. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is, oh, of course, he, Paul calls it gifts. He gives us abilities, every single one of us, not just those who speak and those who, who lead songs and, and do things up front, but he gives each one of us abilities. He calls them gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, if you want to read that, we don't have time to go through it, but he gives us certain gifts, miraculous things. That when we're working together and we act on the gifts we've been given, guess what happens? It, it, it's all done to the building up of the body of Christ. The strengthening of the body of Christ. What? In order for us to do what? To continue to bear the image of God. In order for us as a body to bear that image of God. To edify him. To encourage each other, to strengthen each other, to challenge each other, even correct each other when it's needed, when it's needed. And we ought to want it. We ought to desire it. We want God to work through the body to change us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to be his people, to live according to the spirit that's working within you. How are we doing? Always like to ask that question. How are we doing with that? Are we growing do, do we understand, man, are we investing uh, time? Matter of fact, that's, that's the next point that comes up uh, here in verses 42 through 47. This is the point I want to make in these verses that, that follow. Right after the 3,000 are baptized, uh, the point is this. God joins them together as a community. We come together as a community created by God. Um, let me read those verses, 42 through 47. Right after the baptism of 3,000 souls, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through those apostles. You know those guys that later on in Revelation, those are the very foundation. Those guys who were delivering the gospel message, the very foundation of the church, here at the beginning, taking root, uh, those, those guys continued doing, doing things, wonders and, and signs in front of people and drawing people to come to know Jesus. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Uh, there, there's a difference in these people and it was noticed right away. It, it was no longer the thing of society that says it's all about me. You know, I'm going to take care of me. I want to, whatever I want. And those kind of pursuits, it's changed. It was, it was now an outward looking kind of uh, uh, perspective that the church has. It's outward looking, not just all about me and, and what I'm dealing with and, and, and what I want in life. It, it is now looking out towards everybody who's a part of this. And they're drawn together. And it says that everybody had everything in common. 
There's no one who was lacking or, or without. It was a community that loved each other and cared for each other. I can't remember verse. Well, let me go back to verse 45. And they were selling their possessions. Oh, yeah, that's where I was. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing uh, the proceeds to all as any had need. That, that, that's amazing. And that wasn't being forced. That wasn't uh, uh, any. It was something that was happening, happening naturally for what reason? Because of their reception or the receiving of Christ in their lives and the Holy Spirit. And verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's a point I want to make here, and Diedrich Bonhoeffer said it well. He said, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize it is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we participate. What's he saying? We, we didn't create this. We didn't create Sunday morning. We didn't, we didn't create coming together. We didn't create what draws us together. Hey, what we have in Jesus Christ, our coming together is a creation of God. This is a creation of God. When we're drawn together, what happened yesterday when seven churches came together and worked together? What happens when we join together at, at, at high, or the, the, the park downtown? I can't remember. What's the name of that? Heritage Park. Uh, when we gather together to worship, uh, the number of churches that gather together, that isn't our creation. That's his creation. Uh, I, I tell you what, that brings my heart to giving God praise. When we come together, uh, with and, and what is it that draws us together? And I would say absolutely Jesus. Bonhoeffer said one other thing. He, he said uh, that it is, it is our faith that brings us together. And our faith is in Jesus. And not through our experiences. You know, a lot of us have different, I mean, we come from a various different areas. We got, I mean, there's even different sinfulness that we struggle with. There's, there's different parts of this, uh, this, this, this nation we come from uh, and, and, and so many differences between us. But what draws us together, what is our foundation that connects us is we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus and, and we have received Jesus as our Savior. We have the same Spirit working within us. Here, here are the things that they did as a body. I think it's important to look over again just quickly. Those things that they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, of course. They went to the scripture before, but now they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what was the content of their teaching? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because I believe it started here by them repeating the stories. Repeating the lessons repeating uh, all that they remembered about Jesus until they began to start writing. They began writing it down because they wanted others to, to remember these same stories. And they wrote these, these down so that, hey, we have them today. I believe we have uh, very much the content of the apostles' teaching in those four Gospels. How important is it for us to read his word? 
Uh, the content of the gospel, the content of the Old Testament as I brought up last week and the rest of the New Testament. It is God's word. Remember that. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship. We like fellowship. We like fellowship. Fellowship's fun. It's good. I love being together. But again, I'm going to say this is created by God, bringing different people together. Matter of fact, I love what I've heard coming from the Connect team. Connect team, you hear what I'm saying? I love what I heard from the Connect team talking about an opportunity to, to expound or to, to give an opportunity for more fellowship to happen. And it's something that will take place in homes and something to do with meals. That's all I know. It sounds good, right? And, and so far, so I'm saying this to encourage the Connect team to pursue this. And also, I'm saying this so that, that you could hear this. we got to be a part of that. Not just Sunday. The majority of people you're looking at, you're seeing the back of their heads, right? You're not getting very much acquainted. But when you sit at a table and, and eating with people, you have the opportunity to get acquainted. So I say pursue that fellowship with other believers. And in this opportunity, we're going to listen to the Connect team. I think it's going to be announced uh, sometime here in the next month. But actually, someone's going to host, and there's going to be a, a few families. They're going to get together in other people's homes. And I love that. I love the time we have new attenders night. And, or, or even we have uh, groups of you over into our home. I love that time. My wife, I mean, when, when we talk about abilities, I, I believe that God, God's spirit works in her in, in being a hostess. You know, she hosts family and she makes them feel welcome into her home. And she's done that for very well. So I got I to gotta use that more. So if I invite you over to the house, don't worry. My wife is going to love it. Okay. She's okay. She's okay. I think I'm okay. 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 But, but fellowship is a part of that. Fellowship is a part of that. They were devoted to that. They were devoted to breaking bread. Now, I do believe that has something to do with a meal. But, but what we do at the end of the service is we break bread together for a specific reason. That we never forget what Jesus did for us. That he is that focus. He's that subject of all that we talk about. He is the reason for our salvation. And, and we'll be reminded that here in just a moment. We're going to break bread together and to prayer. These are the things that we do together. <laughs> These are the things we do together. And create more opportunity to do these things. I, I think, man, with all their excitement, this is the direction they went in. I think it's a great list of things that we, when we come together, ought to be a part of. It ought to be his scriptures. Uh, the apostles' teaching. It ought to be uh, that fellowship. It ought to be breaking bread together. And it ought to be prayer. That's what we ought to be doing until Jesus comes again. Are you with me? Does it sound like a good idea? Oh, man. I, 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 I believe and I want to continue to pursue those things as precious and significant because Jesus. Foundationally, it's because of Jesus. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We praise you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. Lord, uh, we know that it was all planned out. It was what you intended in sending him. That he would die for our sinfulness. That we could be at this place uh, through our action of, of faith, receiving Christ into our life. That, that we receive your Holy Spirit. And 
Lord, that we're connected as a people. And, and Father, we have the great and glorious purpose set upon us to be your image bearers. Uh, Lord, so the world around us could know of, of that you exist and, and that you're, you're uh, God and you're sovereign. And Lord, we, not just through how we live, but is through our words as well. Father, there's a community around us that needs to know. And I pray, Lord, you open more doors for us to, to reveal who you are and how we live our lives. Help us to pursue and to walk with the Spirit. God, we praise you for the, the message of the church. Here in these last days, as we continue to live uh, through them, Lord, help us to be purposeful as a church to fulfill what you desire us, to continue to pursue that and continue to, to be directed by you, Lord, as our Savior, as our God. We give you thanks this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.